Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. I'm Mindy Abair. You're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. DIY and How Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Christian Swain here behind the mic in Hollywood at Aftermaster Studios again. Thank you for joining us. In Deeper Digs, we go a little further, dig a little deeper into specific topics that tie in with rock and roll history, the music, the culture, and the technology. It's the companion show to our episodic overview of rock history, the Rock and Roll Archaeology podcast. Let me introduce you to our newest podcast on the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network, Muses and Stuff. It is hosted by the wonderful and vivacious Shanti and Lynx. They hail from Toronto, Canada, which makes us an international organization now, don't you know? Seriously, with a nod to our already fabulous rock and roll librarian, if you want to hear more of the feminine perspective in rock and roll, then the muses will be your thing. Our little audio magazine is growing and providing a little something for everyone. Take a listen and let us know what you think. Thank you. This episode is very special for me, and I hope for all of you as well. Frank Zappa is perhaps the most misunderstood artist of the rock and roll era. He took complicated virtuoso compositions using varied genres of music and coupled them with what could be described as somewhat juvenile lyrics. It's a paradox that a lot of people can't get their head around, yet if the listener takes time to digest the bulk of his work, the words are actually as complicated and unique as his music. The social commentary is genuine, true, and fierce. Besides, how best to get a bunch of adolescent males to pay attention to the music? Frank had a prodigious 30-year career that was only cut short by his loss to prostate cancer. But from the early 60s until his death in 1993 at age 52, he released over 60 albums. His band, The Mothers of Invention, had a rotating cast of some of the greatest players on the planet. He was without doubt one of the most innovative and stylistically diverse rock musicians of the era. 
He was also a strident critic of mainstream education and organized religion. He fought and advocated for freedom of speech, self-education, and the complete abolishment of censorship. I would have loved to sit down and discuss all matters of the world with FC, uh, but that's not going to happen in this life. Uh, Maybe the next. Or not. But I did get to do the next best thing, and that is talking all things Frank with his son, Ahmet Zappa, and Vaultmeister, Joe Travers. Ahmet is the public face running the Zappa Family Trust. And while there was a family squabble that boiled into the press since their mother Gail passed in 2015, all appears to have been ironed out recently. The four Zappa children, including Moon, Dweezil, and Diva, are marching forward together to keep their father's great legacy alive and square in the public consciousness. This is great news for fans. Joe began as the drummer for Ahmet and Dweezil's early 90s band, but soon found himself in the bowels, a place he's very comfortable with, of the Zappa archives. He is the walking, talking encyclopedia of the entire discography. Plus, he plays really good drums. So we sat down and had a roaring good time talking Frank, as you shall hear. I think he'd be smiling down from heaven uh, if he believed in the concept. We take you now to a garage in Canoga Park. Indeed, here we are. At St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast, where I stole the margarine and wheeled on the bingo cards and blew a velotrine. I saw a handsome parish lady make her entrance like a queen. Why, she was totally chenille and her old man was a Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock, Amit Zappa and Joe Travers. Thank you. What a pleasure. Well, thanks for coming out and what a, uh, hanging out with what us. What a handsome room. I mean, I'm speaking of myself, of course, but I mean, some of you are almost as good looking as, um, well, my face looks like a jar full of smashed assholes. So some of you are almost as handsome I, I as me. I wouldn't go that far. You don't I, think so? No, not, not, no, not, half a jar. Half a jar? Half a jar. Well, thank you. I mean, it's good to look at all you assholes in this <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, they say we all have a face for radio. <laughs> or podcasting, yeah. so, if you will. So No, but in all serious, seriousness, thank you for uh, having us. This is going to be fun. Of course, of course. We love Zappa, and uh, we're going to spend at least an hour talking about, uh, about him and about what's going on, what's going to happen, what's... I mean, there's a lot going on. It's really great. It's there is. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm barely sleeping. Well, that's why I was late getting here. <laughs> you know. Well, let's let's kind of start at the beginning here. So, you know, Frank Zappa recorded uh, from like the early 1960s until his untimely passing in 1993. I think it's fair to say that he was one of the most unusual rock acts in history. So. Where do you guys see him fit in uh, the uh, 
the music pantheon. Um, you know, we can call the Beatles the most successful and influential musical act. Dylan is the poet laureate. Uh, Elvis, the prototypical rock star. And, uh, you know, Chuck is the, the father of rock and roll. But what title do you guys give, Frank? You know, I... I, I never thought about it in that sort of context. I'll, I'll have to ruminate for a moment, but um, I kind of feel in, in the way that we were raised in the house, the label of things in that nature, I, my gut reaction when you're talking about that is like, ew. <laughs> Good. Uh, you know, <laughs> ew, I got to try to, you know. Yeah. Um, but look, for me, he's my dad, so I idolize him. So, uh, I mean, I think he's a total legend. But mm-hmm. I don't think he would have wanted to be called a legend or, you know, he would roll his eyes, I think, at, at this uh, kind of conversation. We're packaging him. Yeah. I think he would not <laughs> appreciate it. But... Um, well, he did spend a lot of time fighting off labels and uh, just yeah. constantly reinventing, evolving. Uh, so maybe that is it's it's. it's I, I don't have like a specific la- like you know one word answer for you, but the, what I think is interesting about Frank is, you know, when you look at his body of work because he he tirelessly, relentlessly just was constantly creating he had such an amazing creative mind um but i think all things that he worked on he would say are all part of his entire body of work Mm -hmm. you know uh visually sonically everything was an extension of what he was into and it all had a connective piece to you know everything he started when he was a kid to uh, you know, before he passed away. And he so talk- beyond just rock musician, more like, you know, an artist who uh, delves in all kinds of medium. I would say he was definitely a true artist, but if you were to just look at him as a as his musical body of work, mm-hmm. I would say he's a composer first and foremost because yeah. you know, the, uh, the bands he surrounded himself with, you know, a lot of that, was so that he could hear the music in his head and he, it would be interpreted for a touring uh, band, which he totally enjoyed, um, you know, the fan interaction. But I think it was more about um, getting closer and closer to certainly be able to afford to hire orchestras to play the music the way that he really wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was um, just for himself. And if he could monetize it and if people wanted to, you know, experience the full boat, you know, then, then great. But, you know, what I think is interesting is how much of, um, and we, the sacrifices that my mother and father would make in support of his artistry is also really interesting. And I don't think people realize that. So if he, uh, would go out on tour, he would make all this money to then, put into making new projects right and we all still had to eat and you know there's so I'm, I'm not i'm not saying like oh it was it was you know i was a kid i you know whatever was there was there it, it was, i didn't that, this I, was just life it i didn't just, suffer by any right, by right. any stretch but um you know for frank it i think it was hey i want to do this film project or i want to do this orchestral project and for for in my own life, if if I'm impatient and I want to do things and like, oh, how do I how do I figure this out? Frank had to play the long game, you know. Yeah. So you know, you he would bust his ass for months and months and months and months and really try to get to that 
okay, I can finally now afford to hire an orchestra mm-hmm. and rehearse the band, you know, and sometimes he didn't actually have enough budget and he would be in the situation uh, to where it, it didn't meet his expectations. And that's the stuff when I when I really think about how hard he worked that because he and he had high expectations, the fact that his expectations weren't met, even as a father, as a, as a son and 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 then seeing how he uh conducted his business that's the stuff that makes me feel bad for him you know that he, he rarely got to see his vision come to fruition huh I, I think well i i don't i don't know if it was rarely i just know that there were disappointments mm-hmm. and um well, that just because i live with the media all the time and i can see i see pictures around moments where i know that something didn't meet his expectations or he talks about it in an interview that i'm just you know exposed to again it hurts my heart um and i i feel like frank was definitely a misunderstood person a total futurist his political mind was as uh you know sniper shot specific as his music was and you know i feel like people really misunderstood him and he should be revered um as uh, and celebrated for someone who really fought for artist rights fought for um, things that I think we all really take for granted today, mm-hmm. and because of the way he looked, and the and because he had humor in his music, because of many things, right? The, and, and certainly, when I say he was misunderstood, people just assumed in a rock star lifestyle that they would treat him like he was a rock star, which might I think when you say rock star, someone might think of you know. The Rolling Stones, yeah, which is which is a different like that, which yeah. is a different c- kind of aesthetic to mm-hmm. to my father. You know, my my father was he would want to engage on you know political conversations and and really talk about music theory, philosophy, and and all of these other things that I think were not part of the. Well, he did end up being uh, what is it, Minister of Culture to for Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia, yeah, Vaclav well, Havel. Yeah, so. that was that that was an insane. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, we could spend an hour just talking about. Well, let's do his it. political. Let's side do of it. Things. Let's talk, talk about it all. Of, you know, <laughs> or have me back. But he you is, know? I, you know, uh, uh, what I will say. Uh, is that to the masses, yeah, you, you know, he's thought of as kind of this weird, strange side show and rock and roll. But to those of us who know his music and what he was. But here's what's it's, crazy. It's like, wow, this guy was like really important. We, we used to have discussions and we'd go, oh, well, you know, and this is this is 40 years ago. Well, the Beatles, of course, Elvis, of course, Frank Zappa is going to be in that list. Well, he, I, yes, I agree with you. But but the other thing is you're talking, which which uh, I try to define and tr- hopefully I'm making my my points clearly. I don't know. I feel like I just ramble and I have diarrhea of the mouth, which is true for both. <laughs> um, I, I, when you think about the time at which Frank was saying what he was saying, mm-hmm. um, uh, not to belittle the fact that he was the pioneer in saying them and got all the shit for being, uh, First, I guess, yeah. unique mm-hmm. or so far out, yeah. but it's kind of common sense pedestrian, like, yeah, duh. Like in t- today's climate, 
you know, and I don't think Frank gets enough credit for being the trail trailblazer to be the first person to rip the scab off or take the Band-Aid off, you know, or and to expose the hypocrisy totally. of modern life. Totally, the, totally, yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he wasn't afraid to take the chances that people take for granted now. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, and and those those of us who you know not only got to experience and love Frank's music, but you know see him um, speak. Uh, it was a totally different character than the the cartoonish image that you might have had prior to that. All of a sudden, he's an erudite gentleman who you know could wax on uh, poetically on any subject that uh, an interviewer would throw at him. You know, I had the uh, privilege of doing. Howard Stern show years ago, uh, and he's someone who I um, I think he's fantastic. Oh, the truth the truth comes with Howard. Yeah, I I I, yeah. I, I love Howard, and I can tell you, the persona that he has as a radio man, right, um, and what he talks about is that's one side of him. Sure, that that that's happening. You're listening to it, and it's it, it's an experience, but. When the microphones are off, it was very much like like how my father was. Um, I, mean, I say this to kind of contextualize the 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 difference of Frank on stage and then yeah, off the character off stage. Yeah, yeah. There was this, you know, Frank would slip on the performer Frank persona, mm-hmm. and he loved having. You know, it's, those shows were funny. There were so many things happening in those shows, so many different emotions. Uh, you know, but when the show stopped, he was a very engaging, um, a macho Italian guy, right? You know, right. and uh, and I guess making my point about Howard, the second the microphones were off, you know, the guy could, he couldn't have been nicer mm-hmm. or sweeter mm-hmm. or you know, like, hey, are you okay? You know, making sure. People are comfortable in the studio. That's what I. That's what I witnessed. And you know, for other people that I know that have done the show, they all say the same thing. Um, and he's certainly a different. Uh, I think he's a kinder, more gentler Howard now um, uh, than he was even oh, when, I, when I did yeah, the show back, back on New York, on New York radio, and all that. Yeah. But the stories that, and I crave when if if anyone ever runs into me and you have a, a Frank story. For those of you who are listening right now, I actually love hearing them. And I heard a really interesting one. When Frank was a you know, like a teenager, um, that th- this uh, it, it was I, I want to say it was John French, and I'm going to totally mess this story up. Who played with uh, Captain Beefheart? Um, he was he knows a girl. Well, I'll back it up even further. Sorry, I'm derailing the show, but uh, I was like, "Hey, John, I want to go see where I've never seen my dad's house. I want to drive down to I mean the one uh, out in Lancaster, Ontario. yeah, Ontario. yeah. So, oh, 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 I wanted, and because yeah. John's out there, I'm like, "Hey, would you be kind of like my Frank Zappa Sherpa and like drive <laughs> me around for like what you know, you know? Uh, yeah." And uh, he was like, "Yeah, man, I, you know, let's let's do that." So I'm in the very near future. My little sister and I will probably make that journey, which I'm sure will be you know, really fun. But I want to try to meet, you know, I want to go to the high school. I want to kind of soak it all in. But he was just telling me that a, that a female friend of his um, it was just commenting on what a nice young man Frank was, like how in polite. High school, right. But, but yeah, and, and, you know, thoughtful and, um, 
you know, which is uh, you don't really get to hear. I, I, I never hear stories <laughs> you know, people about come like, up and say, "Hey, let me tell you a story about your father. He was the yeah, nicest it, guy exactly. I've ever met. Exactly, which it was like a uh, you know, like a Jewish mother, <laughs> like well, he's a nice yeah. boy. You know? Did he really eat shit on stage? You know, that's what <laughs> never fucking say. happened. That never that's happened. People Who would want to eat shit on stage besides Gigi Allen? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Gigi Allen, I think, is the only fucking guy in music <laughs> that. that Ate shit on stage, yeah. and I don't even know if that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, that's an assumption. We definitely I took it. No, no. <laughs> the, I, I think that starts from divine, and you know, from um, uh, what is it? Not eraser. Pink flamingos. Pink flamingos. Yeah. Or, yeah. So anyway, you're 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 kind of in the ballpark of my next question, which is, you know, what made Zappa Zappa? You know, some say it's your grandfather and the military work that uh, caused uh, FZ to, to rebel, or uh, maybe it was the desert and cavorting with uh, Don Van Vliet and. High school, who's Captain Beefheart in high school. Others say Frank's love for Edgar Varese and uh, other experimental, experimental composers like Igor Stravinsky. I, all, all of those things, you know? I would say, are definitely contributing factors. The the heartbreaking story. Um, I think Frank, you know, writes about it um, in his autobiography, uh, but I I, I I could be wrong, so don't yell at me if I if I if I am wrong. Um, but the th- it's weird. Because I'm going back to his childhood. The thing that Frank would Frank told me that my mother and I would talk about. That's a real heartbreak. And if I swear, if I cry, if this is an Oprah moment, uh, uh, we have tissue. Oprah moment. <laughs> yeah. So uh, th- think you get a car. Think, you get a car. <laughs> thank you. Oh my god. Oh my god. I got a Fiat. Um, so this is this is heartbreaking to me and I think says a lot about um, what a unique mind my father you know person that he came into the world as so when you're you know a kid I want to Joe you'll probably know the age but um, they didn't have a lot of money in in their family they moved around a lot yeah and he winds up going to this whatever the local record store is right he saves up I think he had a dollar or something in his pocket. And in the bargain bin, you were mentioning, you know, Edgar Vares. So he sees um, the uh, this this record, and to him, it looks like Edgar is like a mad scientist, right? So On the cover, right. So right. he's drawn to this, right? And what's unique is um, Frank loved science fiction, loved monster movies. So I, I cannot stress enough the fact of the visual aspect of what that album you know, must have like. Well, he, he's a teenager in the mid fifties when yeah. you know the B movie sci-fis were everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. he had. I mean, he had his and video collection before yeah, there yeah. were like video stores. Yeah. And my early memories of of, are of Frank were where I'd want to hang out with him, and he'd be working. So my only option, you know, uh, to kind of sit there. Uh, was he? He would he would set me up. He put me in front of the TV, put headphones on my head, and he would play his favorite sci-fi movies oh. while I was like basically I had Frank's endless music like a double score to whatever was happening visually uh, on on the television set. I mostly watched The Brainiac on repeat with Frank, <laughs> which is a great Mexican horror film. You guys gotta find it. But um, so the heartbreak is you know Frank goes into the record store and he actually doesn't have enough money to. Pick up this Verace album. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he convinces these guys. He pleads with them. So this is a kid who has who's tenacious enough to try to bargain 
to get something from the bargain bin and them telling him, like, oh, you won't like it. So I'm sure that in that moment, like, you can't tell me what I will or will not. This is what I think about, right? So he gets this record and he absolutely torches, <laughs> tortures his his entire family. And what he hears is the music of the gods, right? Right. 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 To everyone else, I, I can't. It's I, nails it, on a chalkboard. Yeah. Right, so right, right. this is so transformative, and the fact that there's a telephone number on the back of this record, you know, the I think one of the most pivotal moments in his life, and 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 this also goes back to what I was saying earlier, is the availability of how Frank made himself available to the fans and how he engaged. I think was also a testament to this moment of calling a number on the back of a record, right? Because his parents. This is the heartbreak. This is where I'm going to cry. His parents asked him what he wanted for his birthday. And he, again, no money. He, all he asked for was to make a long-distance call. So if you're a kid, you don't want – I mean, to think about the – think about what that is, right? Like, you know, there's, other, there's a million other yeah. things you might yeah. want. But the only thing he asked for is to make a long-distance call. To and, an obscure composer. Right. And he calls. They're not there. But thank God he got a call back. Yeah. And whatever happened on that phone call, I can tell you, set him down a path that, you know, was probably the most important moment in his life because he's he on every record. You know, he quotes Edgar. It's 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 one of the most unique things. And the heartbreak for me is, you know, I'm sure it was a tough household that he grew up in and the strange look that he must have gotten maybe from his dad but you know because someone had to someone had to let him do that you know because I actually think that that was probably more money than uh, yeah uh, long distance phone calls were not cheap uh, at that time so certainly yeah, yeah. and I can say that Frank's mom was always so sweet to us as a, as a kid so um, you know I, that, that's that's the thing that just makes me wonder about there, these moments. I think in everyone's life, where someone showed up for them and you know made a huge impact, and that that's uh, that was definitely my father's wow. big moment. So you know, it said our musical tastes are really born in our early teenage years. Um, I know besides uh, experimental, the classical composers we talked about, like Verace, uh, he was big into doo-wop and, you know, obviously the listening, blues Listening well. to Ruben and the Jets three days ago, and I was like, holy shit, this record is so fucking good. Yeah. And you hear these, all you know, his doo-wop um, songs that he, that he wrote, but then you hear these blistering guitar solos that feel like they're just they shouldn't be there in that format which is yeah. so awesome if you if you do not have cruising with Ruben and the Jets it's it's you got to go back to it because i i actually feel i was i was going to ask you joe uh, i was like we should I, you know not that it, who really cares if if i ever you know re-record anything of franks but like i was like i want to try to you know, re-record those songs. I love them so much. I played it back to back. I was listening to this record with my, you know, father-in-law. But yes, the influences. I think that also speaks to the music that he was exposed to at that age. At yeah. that age, yeah. you know. Yeah. And in the studio, Frank would sometimes ask me to come down, and he was like, "Hey, can you know? Can you sing like?" I was listening to Frankie Valley, you know, and I, I. Well, he wrote a song for uh, one of the doo wop bands, if I remember right. I think Memories of El Monte? Book. 
Yes. Yeah. In the last like five years, I was like, wait a second, he he wrote that, <laughs> it, you know, because uh, you know the Beach Boys had their harmonies, right? Yeah. And they're they're like this super slick. Uh, I love their production value, but I gotta say, if you go back to Ruben and the Jets, they're doing inc- amazing things on the on that record. Yeah. And I, I and I I think that cruising with Ruben and the Jets. Uh, were you telling me, Joe, um, that at the time, because no one thought it was actually Frank, that that was that was yeah. like one of the best mother's records? Yeah. yeah. You know, they yeah. got all this attention because the, 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 he hoodwinked everyone. Yeah. Yeah, radio. Yeah, in order. To, yeah, it's like it, Verve actually had to put a sticker on the record for, so that you know radio stations actually knew that it was the Mothers because otherwise they were just they kept thinking who's yeah, Ruben in the Jets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who's this new? Yeah, they were like, we hate the Mothers, but this is Ruben in the Jets. Give us some more of that. Yeah, I'll take some more of that Ruben in the Jets Coke. Yeah, come on, let's play this record. Yeah, I love Doo Wop. Doo Wop's back. That's I mean, because that record came out like when doo-wop was, yeah. Oh, not, not happening. Yeah, right. Not at right. all not happening. Yeah. That's also what's hilarious yeah. is like doo-wop was gone. Yeah. But then out of the ashes, like a phoenix from the flames, <laughs> comes this doo-wop record that people are like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Your grandma can listen to this one. So, so we talked. We talked a little bit about um, you know Frank as an artist, as yeah. uh, you know, not just a musician, but uh, you know, uh, willing to dive into various mediums to uh, uh, expose his work, um, and not just rock and roll uh, in music. I mean, we we know he did a lot in the orchestration. In fact, he starts off um, scoring movies uh, in the, the early sixties. The right? world's Biggest Sinner? The World's or Greatest Sinner and Run Home Slow were some early uh, movie projects that he got involved in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which afforded him enough money to build his first studio. If studio I, if I Z. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, he took it over, you know, because uh, he was working a lot with the guy who ran that studio named Paul Buff. Uh-huh. And uh, so he was, you know, writing hit records out there and doing sessions and stuff. And then eventually he bought the studio and lived in it. You and, know, yeah, with and, no bathroom. No, <laughs> really. So yeah, imagine so what that, that must have smelled yeah. like. <laughs> Everyone wanted to work there, and I yeah. can I can tell you, you know, when Frank was in the zone, it, he was just drinking coffee all the time and smoking cigarettes. So, and thank God we had a, many bathrooms in our in our house uh, growing up. But I can I cannot imagine a young a guy, a young Frank with probably <laughs> no AC. Interesting yeah. times for Frank back then. But uh, you know he was on a mission and he loved music so much that that was just his priority. So now he's now he's uh, uh, you know getting his producer skills mm-hmm. right, and he's literally cutting uh, acetate refs and rolling tape constantly and doing all these crazy projects and stuff, and then. Uh, he wants to get into films and he's writing screenplays and he's got a small radio show on a college radio station. I mean, he's doing all these things. And uh, yeah, then it all gets yanked out from under him when he gets busted, you know, set up and busted by the San Bernardino Vice Squad or whatever. Oh, and then he right. goes to jail for a little bit. And the next thing you know, is like his whole world's turned upside down. I mean, you th- just well, up to let, there. Let's clarify why he was busted. They were saying that he was doing oh, like, por- a porno. No, he was set form, up right? because he had a. OK, so so he's got this uh, reputation in town, kind of. Right. It's like this interesting, weird guy. Right. Is is running uh, is running this business out of out of this little studio in the middle of Cuc- Rancho. Well, back then it was just Cucamonga, right? Yeah. I guess. And uh, he's in the papers as being a, a new filmmaker, right? He's got this 
you know, slick back hairdo yeah. wearing a tie, and he's in the control room, and he's like, who is this guy? Well, this about know? the time he was on the Steve Allen show, right? Yeah, uh, 63, bicycle, yeah. Right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, uh, of course, you know, when you're weird and different, just like he dealt with for his well, entire career. At that time, you at know, that time the town America. was like, what yeah. is going on? Yeah. So, yeah, let's set him up and get him the hell out of here. Wow. You know? Uh, so uh. he was arrested. Um, he, I guess they, I don't know the official charges. We should actually pull that up. <laughs> and I would love to find those arrest photos. But essentially, he had some girl, uh, he was recording her moaning, you know, and they thought that that was, you know, sexualized. Yeah. And, and, it, and it wasn't anything more intense than one side four freak out. You know, I know what I mean? I know people who have that as their ringtone. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, back then, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 Conformist America. So you right. wonder about some of the things that, uh, you know, were influential to Frank. And you were talking about that before. I'm sure that being in Tank C for a little while was pretty influential to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Not not uh, favor for the man in the mm-hmm. in the government, right? I can I can definitely see that. But so. I, I, I got a slow clap for the town of Cucamonga. Oh, yes, Cucamonga. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks uh, so much. You, know, Out there. you you definitely made some wow. strong, wrong decisions. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we appreciate you. Um, honestly, I would set you up, Joe. I'm going to do a skunk works. I think we can all agree in this room that Joe should... We should do a sting, a fake sting operation, have him thrown in the clink. Joe, will you will you <laughs> gladly uh, submit to uh, to being our, yeah. our our target? Why not? <laughs> who knows what'll come out who of that? A, who has a pygmy blow dart? Let's trank him, uh-huh. shove a bunch of you know China white up his <laughs> yin yang, and uh, and then call the cops on him and make sure they do a deep cavity search. Well, the, where they'll find the goods? We'll Sweet. set. We'll, we'll put you away. Chino, this time of the year, it's getting real hot in Cali. So I mean, you and Chino, the heat. Blow darts. I'm down. Blow darts are out in the car. Yeah, cool. Uh, we are in, uh, you know, a famous recording studio, so the drugs are easily available. <laughs> That's so uh, fantastic for you, Joe. Congratulations. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm excited for your Thank weekend. You. Thank oh my God, it's gonna blow. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you on Monday. We promise. Thanks. No, 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 no. Joe needs to think about what he's done. Ooh. He needs to think about what he's done. Yeah. Tuesday, I'll be outside when the with the giant iron gates open with a veggie sandwich from Subway and a Diet Coke in my hand, ready to give it to someone else other than you. And then I'll let you take a bus back to Los Angeles, right? And I'll just do donuts around the bus, you know, in a four by four, right? With, Dig it. And I'll play some. Get the full experience. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm going to mock you in the entire way, <laughs> well, the entire way back. I don't know what's inside me that wants to do that. I'm, I'm a terrible person, right, Joe? Um, so, Cruiser was proven in the... No, <laughs> Sorry. Let's go. Moving on. Let's go the, derailing the show. Yeah, put two more points on the scorecard for me derailing your show. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I will shut up. So, uh, uh, a little bit about going back to the artist and, 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 and this body of work, mm-hmm. you know, that you brought up. Um, it, I think this goes to uh, what's called project object. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, Joe? That's a term that Frank used to describe his major output, basically. So, anything that he would do, whether it was write a screenplay or do a film or make an album or do an interview or anything, was basically all part of that. You know, that's how he basically categorized it. So, but what what it, the point is is that it, this is all meant to be taken as a whole, 
right? Pretty much. That's that's, yeah. that's the way it should be looked at, and that's the way the catalog should be looked at. So, all right. Zenocrony, so, bruh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, we, we talked a bit about the musical taste as a, as a, as a teenager. So in the 60s, LA, uh, Frank moves uh, back, to, back into the L.A. Basin, um, and uh, we talked about the film scores. He then is in a band called The Blackouts, right? And then that turns into the mothers Is no about, or, no the blackouts was a uh, was a like an r&b a band that he was in in his uh early days of performing you know like uh i think he was living in san diego at that time but but what happened was uh you know he befriended a man named ray collins right so they're they're friends they're doing sessions together i love him so much yeah ray's great him. what a Best, voice what a voice oh. and his rhythm Hello. So great. And Ray and and uh, Frank are hanging out. They're friends, and they're doing things, you know, projects here and there and doing their thing. And then Ray had a band, and uh, they needed a guitar player. He calls Frank. Frank comes in, thought it was pretty good, persuaded them to go original. And they used uh, a name that Frank had already been kind of toying with a little bit with a U. It was M-U-T-H-E-R-S, right? The Mothers. The Mothers. And that was like a trio that Frank had, right? But then when when he kind of took over this band and uh, persuaded them all to go original and move to Hollywood and do it, then the Mothers were born. So that's how that happened. But yeah, so then... He, he's uh, like the Borg, though. Think about this, right? So there's another band. <laughs> you like, shall hey, be assimilated. Yeah. So <laughs> there's another band. They're like, hey, we need a guitar player. He's like, cool. I'm going to come in and, <laughs> and take, over, take over. Mutate the <laughs> yeah. entire thing. And, you know... You're now mine. That's exactly. just what we're doing. <laughs> well, yeah, right. It's pretty pretty, pretty amazing if you think about the, the way it all kind of unfolded. You know, Frank, just... It just happened, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Just worked. So they're playing around uh, L.A., Hollywood, I would assume, and... They're spotted by uh, Tom Wilson, uh, famous for producing Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel, The Velvets, among others. And uh, uh, they're signed by Verve. So let's talk about that first iteration of the Mothers. What what made them so special? Well, I, I think you know if you listen to their music in comparison to what else is going yeah, on what else is time. going on. I mean, that's the, just the way that they looked, uh, the lineup. Um, just from a, from an ethnicity point of view, from a visual point of view, uh, you know, and all of their influences, which came out in their in in the recordings. I mean, I can imagine, you know, where I'm sure he, that that Motley Crew made people feel very uncomfortable <laughs> when they when they walked into a room, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me di- to dissect. Yeah. Because I think music, it's it's you know, it's a personal preference. You are either into the level of musicianship and the different time signatures, and you know, just the the style. Mm-hmm. It just it wasn't pop music. You know, it it didn't have the sort of standard, you know, verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Uh, it, there wasn't like yeah, a which formula. was common on the on the radio. Yeah, uh, certainly early rock and roll was still, you know, about girls and cars and uh, you know the standard four four and, uh, I, and you know, like you said, verse chorus. I don't, chorus, know, verse, I don't chorus. know if those other bands that they were trying to write hit songs, right? I don't think that that was ever the the mindset of Frank and and what attracted people to Frank. It was it was just about music mm-hmm. and saying something different and being something different. I think that was maybe uh, 
part of why they were unique is, you know, I, they were involved in the freak movement that was happening in, in Los Angeles. So, mm-hmm. you know, when people kind of categorize um, everyone as hippies of that time because they had long hair, that's, that was just not the case. There were people that were way more experimental um, and would not like to be called hippies. If you call my mother or my father a hippie, that was like... I punch you in the nose, huh? <laughs> with their words, yes. Um, but um, I think that that was also a very you know, different time because you know, the people that surrounded Frank, um, they, were, they were just such a unique group of of people i mean you know it couldn't it couldn't have been easy i mean think about growing up on the outskirts uh, uh on of some society. of these border right. towns right. Yeah. you know that are um that we have in our very vast state of california um that was not easy living you know and to have these th- th- these people come together with unique musical tastes that are tuning into whatever they were exposed to. Forget about Frank for a second, but everyone else in the band um, to be able to get to a level of you know musicianship. Um, yeah, to be able to do the music that Frank wanted them to do. You know, they they were just a rhythm and blues band with a really strong backbeat. Right. And the next thing you know, he's making them do things like "Who Are the Brain Police?" Right. You know, and nobody was ready for that at that time. They're not even ready for it now. You know, and the early days of the mothers were really interesting because they were so incredibly unique and they were doing things that nobody was doing and they were like deviant, you know, and they were, but they were engaging. And when you saw them, you just didn't even understand what was happening, but it just grabbed you. you would, know? A, would a fair comparison be like, uh, and I know they meet because of the plastic inevitable, but mm-hmm. kind of a West Coast factory Andy Warhol type of thing because it's it's a whole group of people it's not just frank it's it's uh uh captain beefheart is is involved in this the gtos are are, are part of this whole thing it's almost well, like that a would be the late 60s like, that would be oh, like 69 but in 66 you know those people weren't there i mean pamela De, uh, pamela miller or debar yeah. <laughs> the gtos and stuff they were they were definitely hanging around the freak scene like in 68 yeah. right yeah but in 66, that freak scene was, you know, going to see, going to the trip and going to the whiskey and I, going I to see the birds and Frank, all these other, yeah. you know, in my opinion, was like the the king of the freak movement. So I think they gravitated right. towards him um, because, because he held he, the crown. Right? Yeah. And he yeah. trailblazed that that kind of aesthetic and that lifestyle mm-hmm. of being really experimental and following your artistic um, Muse, dream, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think. Again, I wasn't there, but what I what hypo- you've heard, what and, I hypothesize yeah, yeah. though, is that if someone else's agenda was, hey, I want to make a hit album, right? I do not think that that was part of the consciousness. So it's 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 just a you know you're if you're creating to fill to fit a mold, right? Then you, you know it's it's. It's just a different scenario, you know, like if you're trying to be a rock star versus celebrate your celebrate your artist, you know, your artistry again, just different different mindsets. I mean, it was about like how well you could play and can you you know, the music was really difficult. Not that he was writing difficult music for the sake of trying to make things that are impossible to play. It's just what he heard in his head and he wanted to try to uh, to make that happen. Yeah, I think he was trying to push the limits in some in some cases, push the limits of what had ever been recorded before. Mm. You know, 
um, I, I think he dreamt music notes all the time. So he, would he was ser- just working in the format that was popular uh, at his time, which is rock and roll. Well, maybe this will help explain what I'm trying to say. When 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 the band finished a show, my father more often than not, if he was not uh, you know hanging out with some ladies, um, was he would sit down and he would take out sheet music and he would just Compose. be composing. Mm-hmm. So I've heard from all of you know the band members they would always reference like yeah we would want to go have a beer and have a good time and then Frank would take out his briefcase and he would sit down and he would get back to work so that's a very different approach that was that he always had with him so his commitment to to work to to the music was a totally different scenario because you know people think about rock stars about lifestyle and hanging out or last night I was with so and so the, more often than not, the stories are, last night I went to Frank's house, you know, and... Drank coffee, smoked cigarettes. And, while, and we talked uh, about music while he was working on music, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I hope that answers that it question. It does. It does. It does. So, let me let me shift things a little bit and talk about... Uh, we we kind of touched on it a little bit today, Why are you but, taking your pants off? Well, just to get more comfortable. I <laughs> thought it was okay. We discussed this. So, this is, a pan- this is the pants optional moment of the show? Well, only for the host. Okay. The guests will get theirs later. Oh, this is so weird. Keep okay. going. So, as I was saying, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know Frank's political philosophy. Uh, I, I've heard the term uh, constitutional fundamentalist. Yeah, I love is, it. Is, is that is that a fair assessment? And and what what do you think that meant? I mean, we we know Frank uh, uh, testified uh, in front of Congress during the PMRC hearings. Uh, did a Fabulous job, uh, and uh, and then tried to help get uh, uh, you know the youth to actually pay attention to what's going on and use their franchise to to make a difference. Whether it did or not, we we can debate that. Um, so two two part question is is what does constitutional fundamentalist what did that mean to Frank, and two what do you think he would think of today's political situation. I'm gonna let Joe go. Don't first. don't go me there. Don't don't go me there. That worked out well. Yeah. Don't take me there because I'm not the uh, person to talk about like, that subject. I think that. Uh, what if I get you to take your pants off? <laughs> oh, I see where this is going. See. <laughs> oh, it's just for the host. Now yeah. all of a sudden he's yeah. like. All of a sudden I'm part of the party. Yeah, it's yeah. a promise. <laughs> it's a promise that he's making. Oh my God! You know I've. Pound me too, bro. <laughs> so um, I think to the first part of your question, um, and I'm, I definitely don't have uh, my father's political mind, and I cannot speak as eloquently as he certainly mm. always did. But my sense of you know what it was like growing up in our household – um, and certainly when he was talking about running for president yeah. and Frank Zappa for president. Right? I, I mean, those moments, he, he he was always taping C-SPAN. We had to install a giant satellite dish <laughs> on the yeah, top back, of the studio. Back when they were big, giant Huge. satellite dishes. And, right. and this was such a big deal. And it was only for Frank to be able to record uh, so that he w- was not missing out on what what was happening politically mm-hmm. right so uh so we could tune into all the different 
evangelical Christian channels as well as, you know, any time. Cable news networks. Yeah. So it was such a big deal to him. And, you know, I'll I'll get to answering the question, but I'm just going to set the climate for how I'm answering the question. So, you know, Frank, at one point, Larry Flint asked him to be his running mate. And uh, so early on, you know, when you're a kid, I was like nine. um, And this was the maybe like nine or ten. This is the Frank's got shorter hair. Mm hmm. Um, and he, he looks know, sort of respectable. He was kind of getting into this different elderly statesman political guy. You mm-hmm. know, he's still making tons of music, but you know, at home, uh, you know, with Reagan as the president, um, and you know, he wrote so many songs that, um, you know, going living through the Nixon era, um. You know, you could see how his music reflected his politics uh, and the points that he was trying to, you know, get across um, or just really kind of highlighting the hypocrisy of, of things. And certainly what was, you know, the the things that were happening that were just devastating. You know, like if you listen to Trouble Every Day, you know, that's such a um, shows you what he cared about mm-hmm. you know, very early on. Yeah. And how he used music to talk about, you know, events. But. You yeah, know, which he, which I believe was about the Watts riots. Yeah. Right? yeah. So you know, here here we have this this guy who's I think looking at the Constitution and saying like they didn't fuck that up. They got that pretty good, you know. So for him, he's like, don't don't fuck with something that isn't broken, right? You know. And the liberties that people were taking, uh, the assumptions, uh, and uh, when you look at it from an evangelical Christian point of view, and inserting organized religion into things. Or Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia at the time, who calls himself a constitutional fundamentalist. You know, there's, I think that's what he's really rallying against is... Mm -hmm. um, you the know. excesses or the interpretations that uh, were causing some to um, keep themselves in power instead of moving the country forward. Yeah. I mean, I grew up thinking that we were, you know, a very democratic family, right? Middle of the road, right? right. I mean, we were. I mean, my, my personal values, I'm, I'm definitely more democratic than, than, you know, any other, you know, party. Uh, uh, but... You know, I found I don't know if it's a joke or not, which was, I was kind of shocked. I found Frank's Republican uh, Party membership like uh, like it was a credit card. Right. Uh, of uh, As a member of the Republican Party. When was uh, this? Um, I, uh, I'd have to I might even have a picture of it on my phone. I had such a laugh, <laughs> but it actually kind of makes sense to me in that, you know, um, the values you know, uh, of the Republican Party, some of them are good, you know, but I think it's just true, all been true. totally mutated. And I think that that was probably something for Frank to where why he would be so angry at some common sense stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm answering your question very you well. Have, other you than have. You, 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 know, you gave us a, a good personal. A, a, a good feeling for where where he was at uh, when he was alive. What what do you think he would say about the political situation today? I think he's already said it. If you look at what he was worried he about, he could see the dark road. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Again, know, a futurist. Yeah, you could just for anyone who um, wants to know what I'm 
really talking about. Look up on YouTube. You can find it. Uh, there's videos of Frank on Crossfire. Yeah. And you can see, um, or any of those older interviews from the you know late 80s, mm-hmm. um, even the mid-80s, where he is being very political. He's so on point. You know, I think mm-hmm. right now um, he, so with the ability to stream and have your own shows, podcasts, the way that people can communicate and make you know make music from each other's homes, and it sounds great. If Frank was still around, you know, the amount of music we would have and the ways that we could understand him um, without it being bastardized by you know like the, the social media to be able to say exactly what you're thinking, type it out, and and put it out there because Frank was so specific you know it would be a very different time i think he probably if if trump can become president then i actually think my dad really genuinely could have become president i I think so i really do i think with but also with very you know a lot of common sense Uh i think he could have done a a completely different set of values and positions (laughs) yes but but uh if a if a reality television star could become president Frank Zappa could easily become president. Well, he president. had a unique, and I say this, people probably laugh at me thinking that that could actually happen. But the reason why I, I think it would have happened is he wanted people, whatever your belief system was, it's important that you vote. Yeah. Right? So he was such an advocate for that, mm-hmm. that and he rallied so many people. This is before Rock the Vote even was a thing. You know, at the shows, he would just re- get people to register to vote. You, if you're not participating, yeah, in you, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a very unique, also point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, which which politicians take? Like those are the guys who are always saying, "Go out and vote." Now you have this musician who he knows he's got a captive audience, and he's not trying to push you one way or the other. He's just, you know, celebra- he always celebrated people for their, you know, their differences and, and loved a healthy debate. But, you know, just getting people to go out there and fight for what they believe in, mm-hmm. you know, um, was also very important to him. So, Well, I, I don't want to make this a hour-long political discussion, so let's, let's move on a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to ask you guys. Put his pants back on. I'm, I'm sorry. I just wasn't that enthused. Maybe later. We'll try again. I'm sorry. So let, let me ask you both separately. Uh, Desert Island question. If you could only have one album, what's it going to be? Of Frank's? Yeah. Okay. Because that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> uh, of, yeah. If I had to, I would probably pick Hot Rats. Hot Rats. Yeah. Okay. If I had to. All right. That was a pretty quick answer. That was yeah. a pretty quick answer. I'm going to cheat. You're gonna, oh, that cheating is fine. Because Ryko Disc, uh, there was a combo uh, record that came out on CD, which was apostrophe. Oh, and yes. Overnight yes, Sensation. that's right. I, I had that. Yes. I would I would take that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doubling that's down. That's a good cheat, though. That's a fair cheat. I'll give you it, that. It was released. It was huge. And long, it, I, I, I on that desert island, I found it's actually solar-powered <laughs> Walkman, and there's only one disc in it. Thank God it's the, the horribly horrible <laughs> sounding Ryko Disc version. <laughs> of of uh, apostrophe overnight sensation because boy, those do not sound good. Yeah, um, you know we and thank God we corrected that uh, yes. situation. Uh, you know with our previous releases since then. Yes. Well, um, 
that would be my number two. And and just like that, apostrophe and overnight sensation together. But They're so good. I, I have to go with Joe's Garage. I mean, it was... Oh, because so, it's a double fucking album. Fuck you, bro. Well, that's so, a, that's double solid. album. That's double solid. album. Yeah, music. Double album. Um, but, I, but one of the best concept albums ever. It's it's an actual story I can follow from beginning to end. There's there's no flab or fad in it. And there's how about no sort this? of like what's going on. I know exactly what the hell. When going that on. album uh, was recorded, th- the concept didn't exist. Oh, the Joe's Garage. He just Garage went in concept, the studio yeah. and started recording a bunch of stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then after, yeah, wasn't he took a bunch of leads that were live and then put the music to these leads? Is, well, am yeah, I reading yeah, that's that right, the zanachrony or? that uh, Ahmed had mentioned earlier, where uh-huh. you take one performance from something else completely, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, putting it on top of something else and making it work. Um, but yeah, the guitar solos were recorded on tour and then it was put on, uh, studio tracks that were recorded later. Yeah. But, but what's amazing about Joe's Garage is like, again, they went into the studio, they were recording songs that the band knew, they were doing experimental jams, they were doing all these other things. Yeah. And then what's he do? He just puts it all together and completely makes it work into one of the greatest concept records of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's Joe's Garage yeah. for me is just amazing. It's I mean, pretty amazing. You know, it, it just it showed up. I think I was 18 years old when it came out. And, you know, I mean, you know, you can laugh your ass off to start with mm-hmm. and then begin to go, wow, listen to that so, plane. So the things that uh, that I love about Joe's Garage, too, I mean, is there anything funnier than the Church of Appliantology, L. Ron Hoover? <laughs> I mean, that moment. I, I, I mean, that's... And yes, I literally just snorted. But... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what's so... The music on that record, so the melodies, the harmonies, all of it. And then when you think about some of the subject matter, it's so funny. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know? Oh, just the central scrutinizer. I mean, I could listen to that all day it's long. It's the best. So. <laughs> Is there anything better than Watermelon and Easter Hay? I don't oh, think so. Devastating. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I always hear coyotes in that. You know, there's that moment, uh, if you go back and listen to it, maybe people can relate, where he uh, plays... Meow, meow. It's, so it feels like a weird howling coyote monster beast in the in the solo. Do you know what part I'm talking about? I'm gonna have to go back and listen. <laughs> yeah, listen for that. Right. Meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about Frank as a guitarist because uh, I don't shit. think he gets as the much jam. respect as he should. I mean, literally one of the greatest guitar players of the rock and roll period. I mean, right up there with people like Clapton and Jimi Hendrix and folks like that. I mean, you know, for me, uh, you know, since we brought up Joe's Garage, I mean, the guitar solo on, on the bus, you know, or, or the guitar solo on Cosmic Debris. Or just, I mean, they rip your face off guitar solos. It's, it's absolutely crazy. I'm surprised you still have a face. From listening to so much Zappa. Well, it's a lot of work. You, <laughs> yeah. know, you know, Botox. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got a good doctor. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you get to be my age and, and you've listened to this much, you have so to what's have the, to some yeah, what's the healing music that you have to play so that your face stays on? Is it Gordon Lightfoot? Do you just put that on? So that <laughs> Olivia Newton John. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The song <laughs> Dang, magic. Olivia. Yeah, I do too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Voice of an angel. Voice of an angel. <laughs> yeah, he is the best guitar player ever. Really, you say for, the, the for me, I mean, I just, I just, I can listen to him play all, all, all the time. And you know what's really great is uh, when you read Ian Underwood's liner notes that he wrote for the most recent um, celebration of Uncle Meat. That record, it's called Meat Light. Mm-hmm. And when you listen, to, uh, they're very short Turn and they're very sweet, you know. <laughs> but he says something very, very uh, that just that just makes so much sense. Uh, 
and and that is it all comes together when Frank plays the guitar. You know, it just kind of just like all of a sudden it just you know, it, everything just becomes a line, and it's just it, the way that he writes it is is amazing, and you should check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's right on. It's it's hard to grow up in I think in in the house I grew up in, right? To where I like all kinds of music, mm-hmm. but if you're exposed to just Frank's music as a kid, right, which was pretty much what pretty you much got, <laughs> all the different time signatures, mm-hmm. his style of guitar playing. And there's so much to hear. It's so interesting, um, and some of it, I, I'm, it, it's taking me, it's taking me this long, and I'm 44 to be able to appreciate some of the music. Yeah, because some of it is really challenging for me to. I, you know, I completely it, agree. Did, to, I didn't get it at the time when I was a kid, and yeah. as I got older and more musically savvy, I began to go, oh, oh, now I get it. Yeah. Well, I. So this is this is the other thing that I think is interesting. So when people talk about Frank. I have a different relationship to it because he was my dad. So I feel like this extra blessing Mm -hmm. because he's not around. So when I am discovering new things, it's like extra emotional for me. Wow, yeah. And and I feel ever grateful that, you know, there's all these videos of him out there Mm -hmm. and interviews. So it's the the next best thing um, to, I mean, having him with us would be the best thing. But to have all this other stuff I can see that's always new to me. I mean, we have an... I'm finding things all the time that oh, are it, new. It, I was that my next question. It's, it's just it's the like, prolific yeah. nature of the guy. It's I like mean, I'm hanging out with him. It's like 60, it's so 62 you know? studio, 62 studio and live albums during his lifespan. Yeah. And then now there's over 100 uh, total from the vaults and what's been put together. That's that's an amazing amount of material. He, it was It was nonstop. Yeah. He he was, you know, very unique person and and you know a monster a monster musician. But his guitar playing, you know, it's it is really hard to even think about other guitar players. So I feel like my answer is lame. I'm like, yeah, he's the best in the world. But I'm like, it's <laughs> my, dad. my dad. So of course yeah. I'm going to say that. But, but uh, no, I really feel that way. I do feel I do feel that because I've also seen him. You know, growing up, if I listened to. Eric Clapton, yeah. or if I listen to you know some of the the '80s bands I love, like one of my favorite bands, uh, really of all time, is this band Enough's Enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they made a, they made two records that I still play, you know, relentlessly. And so I would have conversations with Frank about music, and I'm like, "Do you like Enough's Enough?" You're like, "Yeah, I really like that song, Fly High, Michelle." It was you know the video was always playing, and I was like, "Really?" I, I felt like it was so cool, and he would tell me like why he why he liked it I'm like what other bands do you like he's like I really like NWA I was like really and I yeah I didn't I've never been a rap music fan but uh to know how much he liked them right um was really interesting you know so I think things that you know people probably wouldn't expect yeah for sure Amy Grant yeah exactly (laughs) and I always loved Amy Grant I always thought that he just like wanted to bone Amy Grant, you know what I mean? Which, well, by the who way, didn't? I gotta say, I've, when I forget what the 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 less Christian uh, Amy Grant. Um, not that there's anything wrong with her values, but I, but most of her music, I think, before is on MTV. Is uh, the yeah, later she, music she, is, she, is earlier really, music? She was a religious, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a Christian um, Christian yeah. musician, yeah. but 
uh, there was she. She had this one hit song. Baby, baby. Is that it? Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so that that song, when you're a kid, kind of like what Olivia Newton-John's voice did. To, there's a tingle in in, a, in the I nether regions, it. right? You're like there's something the swirling down in the, in the again. you know the dark cosmos of the Nards, the primal field. You know? right, right, yeah, right. there's like the the arcane magic in the Nards. <laughs> was you know, ready to emerge. Interesting. I, yeah, I forgot that Frank would talk about that. I thought that was really fucking weird, by the way. Because yeah. I remember him talking about that. I was like, really? Yeah. That just felt like, I was like, Mom. <laughs> yeah, <things> don't, one <laughs> yeah, thing like, does not match yeah, with well, the other. You know, don't have Amy yeah. come, <laughs> come over. Yeah. Mom, I don't want Dad to get yeah, in trouble. Mom, no, 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 no. Please, no, God, no. <laughs> Well, let's let, let let me let me also bring in the the lyrical content because uh, you know a lot of people it, it blows by them. They oh, they think it's just strictly juvenile. And and uh, I, I, would it be fair to boil it down to like social commentary, humorously told in a language that young people would understand? Sure, that's your opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, no? yeah, fuck no. you. No. Yeah, no, no, oh. no. I yeah. I think so. I mean. I hate trying to package it or, or define it. I, the you know, when you have albums, does humor belong in music? Right? I think that the, it's like you're a different person. You know, like uh, I love Tenacious D. Right? Yeah. I love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack you know, Black and uh, Kyle Glass. Yeah. Amazing musicians. Uh, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Good singers. Yeah. I love the comedy of what they're singing about. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be, um, and I and I again, I I, I love Tenacious D. If and I'm. I'm only drawing the line of people think that that's funny, right? Yep. And they would go to the shows because they it's packaged in a lane. The, it's a comedy show, and they play music, right? right. They, there's there's this thing that they, people want to put you in a lane, right? Uh, or maybe this is all in my head, but this is what I feel. And I, if I look at Frank, you know, it's hard to quantify because he can sing a song that is totally hilarious, you know, uh, but then have written some very serious songs. You know, it's like he's a conundrum wrapped inside a riddle, wrapped inside <laughs> the greatest rock song of, you know, of all time. So, yeah, I think it's 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 fair to say what you're saying. Mm. You know, I wouldn't disagree, but I, I'd say there's way more things you could say about him and his lyrics than just that. Well, something else I might add is, uh, you know, I definitely learned things by listening to Frank's lyrics, you know, learn yeah. a little bit more about life, which I think is what every artist is trying to do is, you know, give you something that uh, you makes you think, you know. Well, he is writing about personal experiences, too. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing that uh, that is that is interesting. Sometimes he's just making up stories and characters. Mm-hmm. But those stories and characters, I think, as well, are, again, mutations on things that. He, that he actually experienced that he's rapping inside a monster movie that he's seen. <laughs> right, right, know? right, right. Which, uh, that's always fun to to know the story behind the story. So, like, the Church of Appliantology, L. Ron Hoover, I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious, you know, that what he's talking about. But he's actually talking about, you know, he had his own experiences with, uh, you know, the Church of Scientology and what was happening early on, you know, um, with musicians that had, you know, uh, the way he got involved with the church, not that he was a member, but they would do accounting services, right? So this was something that was pretty common 
or it seemed to be common that uh, one of the functions of, of the church, or this is what my father told me, um, was that you could go to them and they had their accountants and you could use them to do your billing and all of that stuff. And that was basically one way that uh, s- certain people were slowly led into becoming yeah, members. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, my father's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And then I think that he had some awkward moments where they were trying to real hard. But to wait, but wait, we did all those accounting services for you. I don't even know that they actually did do any of the accounting services. I just think that that was a suggestion and uh, there was a meeting. Yeah, and, the then, scam, it, and right. then it was like, you uh, know, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, look, at that time, too, like, you know, if you, you can look back at interviews, my, my room was next to my dad's office and my phone just never stopped ringing. Mm-hmm. It would drive him crazy. I didn't realize that. To me, I'm a te- you know, kid yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, but he would hear different girls calling and um, whatever. You, you know, there was a phone mate. Like it plays the person's leaving you a message, and of course, you always have it at full volume. So I'm sure <laughs> my dad got a kick out of whatever was happening. You know, um, but uh, yeah, we we had those conversations, and I got some pretty awkward calls afterwards from people, and then because a lot of my friends, like in the acting scene, because uh-huh. I was, it's so fucking embarrassing, but I was a child actor, <laughs> actor. Yeah, um, I thought I was for 20 seconds, but um, you know, a lot of a lot of the you know young kids that's that's part of yeah the celebrity center i mean there's a big reason for that Uh, yep tom cruise you know yeah uh, yeah yeah, interesting times so let's let's talk about the family trust uh you know we're um uh, it looks out uh, the whole family's on board. That's By the great. way, we we've been this show is is a ten hour show, right? Ten. Ten hours. Good. Ten okay. hours. Yeah. Again, You're I good. apologize for everyone. And out there by the way, it. no peeing until it's over. Cool. So all right. So <laughs> the family trust. Um There's four uh, there's four of us. There's Moon, Dweezil, myself, and Diva. Right. And you guys are moving forward. You are now putting some new packages out. Uh, yeah. in fact we got one sitting here right on the on the table. We have a burnt weenie sandwich, which uh, was Frank's ninth record, and we, you know, we've done a good job of making sure it has total sonic excellence. Yeah, on uh, 188 gram vinyl. 180. 180. 180 gram. Excuse me. But you said 188. Yeah, I had, I had an extra. <laughs> That's a eight. lot of vinyl. I had a, yeah. I had an extra <laughs> and uh, let's see. I think uh, Halloween '77 is. Out, yeah, in the same same vein, uh, and not, uh, on, not on vinyl, right? Um, but no. it's uh, yeah, that's it's less than a year old that uh, that box set. Did you and have you seen that box set? No, I have not. Uh, that's uh, I'm I'm rather proud of that one. Um, for for those of you who uh, got the box set, you you should know. I mean, the best thing. Uh, I'm also a Rob Zombie fan, and he just recently tweeted uh, him wearing. Um, the, the, the box Halloween set, ass. yeah, because it, <laughs> I I wanted to do something that felt of the era. You uh-huh. know, when I was growing up, you'd go to the supermarket around Halloween. They had all those plastic yeah. ma- oh, masks, yeah. uh-huh. and then you had that like garbage bag that you could pull over yourself <laughs> to approximate the body. I mean, and the now cheapest I'm a, a horror <laughs> act, right? Yeah. On Halloween, yeah. right? right. Uh, so, um, for the people that uh, were lucky enough to snag one of the box sets. You can. It has its own Frank Zappa mask and its own Frank Zappa trash bag that you can pull over yourself, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and a, a really great extra bonus shell on there too. But um, yeah, we painstakingly put that together. I mean, uh, every, I think Roxy, uh, the Roxy tapes also is 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 now out, right? 
Um, we have the Roxy performances, uh, which again, super proud of the packaging there. You know, it's I I couldn't do what um, the ZFT you know Zappa Records actually does. Um, I'm still learning every single day. I'm so grateful for for I know I made you know make fun of Joe or you know we've played in a band together. We've been friends for so many years. We met at a Tower Records. Twenty back when there ago. were twenty yeah. tower records, right? Yeah. Right. So um, Joe's like a, he's extended family uh, to me, and you know all all of the people that have been working at the at Zappa Records have been there for many many years. They were they work closely with Gail, and I had to learn how to do all these things uh, to be helpful, you know, to kind of keep things going. Mm-hmm. So you know, with a lot of humility and and uh, a lot of gratitude. Yeah, you know, I had nothing to do with the family family business. And if it you know, Joe is really an expert on all things, you know, Frank. I'm still learning things that only Joe can teach me or that Melanie can teach me or Holland, you know, works at the office. I certainly have my own memories and recollections of uh you know, what Gail or Frank told me. So that's why I'm 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 always happy when people tell me different stories uh about uh about Frank. because... Um, you know, for me, it's like a, it's like it's like coming home. Yeah, yeah. you know, between that and all the music that's yeah. uh, available for you out there, it's it's so, personal. It's more personal. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. a lot of the you know when we do reissues, you know, it's 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 a pretty simple formula. The way that I kind of view things because it kind of falls on my shoulders for you know the day to day. You know, we listen to what the fans want. We, I try really hard, uh, and we've been working really hard over the last couple of years to make things actually easier for us to do what I'm about to say. But I want fans to have more access. I want them to have more of what they want, when they want it, how they want it. Um, and, you know, we take all that into consideration when we're making anything new, um, new product that we're putting out. And certainly, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a vinyl junkie and as a music fan myself, you know, we, we try to do the best job that we can. But, you know, we, we, we only have limited resources to be able to do it. But I think we make some of the best product out there. I mean, I, I'd rather go for, um, you know, better quality, you know, and less profit um, always, you know. Not too dissimilar from how your dad uh, did things. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, if you're going to do it, it's a jo- if, if it's a job worth doing, it's a job worth doing well. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it brings me joy. When, I, when, I, when I'm looking, as I'm talking, I'm looking at our reissued Burnt Weenie Sandwich vinyl. And I'm, you know, Mike Mesker, who we do a lot of, he does a lot of work with us, um, you know, uh, on the artwork. It's the cleanest, brightest that it's ever been. It's the truest uh, cover. I mean, we, we, we are always trying new printing houses or, you know, because... D- d- there are problems that can happen oh, yeah. along the way when you're mm-hmm. making the you know making the product. And yeah, you, this is physical product. Yeah, it's, it's not a digital like we download. Li- we literally thing. care too much. Actually, yeah. I mean, that's, a, <laughs> yeah. that's a bigger problem. That's for sure. Where other people would be like, "It's fine." Yeah. We're like, "No, it's, it it's actually it. not right. fucking fine." All right, yeah. to our standards, which are <laughs> everyone else has lower standards. Like, no, actually, no. So we uh, we drive our par- our partners. Uh, crazy i'm sure and that like no if you like what we say if we send you something and you say you can do that fucking do that right you know exactly yeah in fact it has caused some 
missed dates that uh, that it can happen. There and, you know, if something's not right, you know, yeah, that, 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 that's the bottom line. So I do know. it, do it right. I actually think, yeah, we had some weird, um, weird things happen last year too, where stuff where we wanted to come out, there would be little mishaps here or there, um, and those were really, truly accidental, um, for sure. But I think all in all. I hope that fans who, you know, are fans of Frank's and are paying attention to, you know, what we're doing or what I'm doing at, at the masthead of, of, of making sure this stuff gets out. Um, I think they can – I hope that they're sensing um, that more of, again, what they want, how they want it, it's coming out with more regularity and that, uh, that, we're, that they're happy. Because th- there were times – again, I had nothing to do with the day-to-day when my mother was running things. Um, but – you know, she was pulled in so many different directions, mm-hmm. and there were just different hurdles for her. Mm-hmm. But when I, you know, took over and had to kind of fix a lot of things, you know, we we have so many assets that if they just stay there, and you don't know what they are, they are of no value. Right. So we are, you know, a lot of what our day to day is now is. I mean, Joe's been on the archaeology discovery thing. So, I mean, I think Joe's very happy in that, the things that he gets to hear. He's the first guy on the front lines, you know, so I love the calls. Like, dude, I found something that is <laughs> You're so... never going to believe it. Yeah, it, it, totally. So that's awesome. It's a human bone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. From ancient Sumeria. <laughs> I didn't like, know. Yeah, I was like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> yeah. Um, so... You know, just from the photo assets to the recordings to the video, uh, it's you know a lot of people will if they like Frank they'll they'll see a lot of cool, interesting new stuff in the future because we now know we we know what it is, right? You know, uh, it's and, all cataloged yeah, and, and uh, categorized, and but in, uh, a, in actually in a content management yeah. system, so you have access to it, <laughs> right? Versus what was like, yeah, there's I, a vault. <laughs> my, yeah, my mother or Joe or someone else, like, yeah, I think it's there. That I think look under the laundry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, right, that, right, and, right. I mean, Joe was is very organized and like knew knows where everything is. Good, but like Good. there's there's you know to have access. Uh, to streamlining the business. Like, there are just certain things that weren't in place that I was like, I do not know how to do any of this unless it's done in a way to where, like, it's on speed dial. <laughs> so we're going to fucking... Get it we done. are going to right. change some rules around here <laughs> and make shit, like, so that we can, you know, uh, put it into... Let's just say we bought new equipment for the, the Zappa factory, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. All right, so let's let's talk about... Something that's upcoming, it's in the news, and that's this hologram tour. I could not be more excited. So here's, let's just talk about the music for a second. So what you're going to hear, um, uh, f- f- first of all, it's ba- it's band members that Frank loved playing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we were talking to even more ex-band members um, that can come on and off. Um, so this is really the goal of the Bizarre World of Frank Zappa tour um, is a celebration of of Frank, mm-hmm. right? So um, let's just let's just talk about where you know is a hologram or you know this notion that somehow it's sacrilegious, which 
I see, you know, and not not necessarily even as it relates to Frank, but just as a concept where people have this very strong opinion of like, well, you you should never put someone as a the hologram on stage, which I'm like, yeah. they uh, don't have a say. What, there's something weird about that. Um, and look, I think there's different reasons. There, for different there, there, there is concern. I, a lot of people call it like you know the ghost tour or what have you. And, okay, and so and I I know this is far more than that. Oh, for sure. So just check this out, though. Let's let's just be very Zappa specific. I'm not going to talk about the rest of the sort of industry and other hologram um, tours, uh, even though I'm actively involved. You know, I I now am a part of the Illusion Company, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we do for other estates. Right. Uh, so I actually like the medium uh, as a concert going experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's thrilling for me uh, as a a way to be additive for other people's shows, living or people who have passed away. Um, it's important. So, but I'll, I'll keep it specific to Frank. So, if you look at what how Zappa Play Zappa started, you know, when I when I put that whole you know concert series together, um, you know, the intention was, wouldn't it be cool to be able to have video of Frank Tweezel could be you know playing guitar and you know go out there and really celebrate you know Frank's music. Right. All right. So this, uh, so when I have pushback from Zappa fans, we're like, yeah, you, you shouldn't fucking do blah 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 blah. I'm like, it's a real fucking head scratcher. Tell me the difference between, you know, a two giant video monitors of the same video playing in the background, where you, you know, where Frank's back out on stage, versus what I'm going to be doing next year, which is going to make people's brains take a shit in their skull, right? <laughs> so if you go to the bizarre world of Frank Zappa, and I assume some people might be drinking something, smoking something, or whatever, I would say- Be careful. Where it depends, <laughs> because you're going to lose your fucking minds. And if you can put a diaper on your head, you should, because your brain is going to- be a real stinky mess from all of the shitting it's going to be doing in your skull. Uh, all right. So, from a music standpoint, we got the best best players. Joe's going to be going out on the road. Joe's, you know, played with, you know, Dweezil for many years. Uh, you know, we played in a band together. No one plays. I mean, Joe's a phenomenal phenomenal fucking drummer. He's, yeah, Joe. You know, if Frank was around, he would have been in Frank's band 100%. So, you will hear the the musical uh, parts that that are Frank's guitar performances and his vocals are th- are from performances that will be new to people, right? These mm-hmm. are taken from um, older concerts. They are taken from uh, you know older the, studio you know, sessions. Older studio too. sessions. Yep. So for the most part, I'd say ninety nine percent of what you the, the people that will be hearing it will all be new to them, right? In terms of you know, it's not that they're new songs, but we have new songs that will be uh, debuting. Ooh, okay. Uh, so new orchestral pieces, uh-huh. new so- never before heard songs of with Frank's guitar playing, and and it's 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 so much awesome for a Zappa mm-hmm. fan. Mm-hmm. You know, so for those of you who don't want to see something projected that's rad, don't fucking go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't go. Yeah, right. But if you want to hear. You know, for those of you who are excited for, let's just say, if Stinkfoot is being played for an 800-pound python boot singing the song Stinkfoot, right? You should fucking go, because that's going to be the only time you're going to see a giant python boot on stage sing 
fucking stink foot, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, and yes. it's not gonna, as it should be. It's not going <laughs> to be. It's not going to be. Uh, just some video playing. It's gonna holographically look like that fucking giant boots on the fucking stage, y'all. <laughs> right. That's right. the point. Right. We are at a place where the LCD. This is uh, not just Frank up there with some musicians a, doing is, playing. Oh, a, look! It's it's like the Tupac thing. I, you know, because that's what most people they 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 you know that was a big news item. Coachella, which was, which was he shows cool. up, and it, it was yeah, it's it interesting. Was cool. But it was if you didn't like it, yeah. that's totally your opinion. But for but to it, at that moment, right, to have Tupac show up that way, it was, now, it was techn- about the, technological achievement. Yeah, forget about doubt, yeah. the emotionality of of like the opinion of like, oh, you should never do that. It's sacrilege, right? Mm-hmm. I which I actually understand and appreciate because there are certain people, you know, even like Prince as an example, who's like, yeah, I don't want you to do that because of his religious beliefs. Yeah. Okay. Um. But Frank's a totally different story. He writes about it in his book, in chapter nineteen and t- chapter eighteen, entitled "Failure," uh, where he wanted his own hologram business because he didn't want to have to fucking go on tour. Right. Yeah, he yeah. wanted to send his own fucking hologram out on tour. So you know, when I ha- when I have see, any- I think the Beatles considered that as well. But totally. the, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. Re- he wanted to start this business. He was passionate about it. Mm-hmm. We had many conversations as a kid. He was like, look. What I want to try to be able to do is project the shows holographically over the ocean, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that was more, you know, like figuring out uh, a laser system or, uh, the, you know, somewhere yeah. in, in in our vault. We probably have the uh, the early um, machine illustrations. <laughs> or, or, how to, or, how or, to build I, a device right. to actually accomplish this. But right. what was important about that philosophically was, look, I can... For Frank, I can, he could keep writing music. He could have shows going out there while he was at home writing music. There was a, so many other. There were so many benefits mm-hmm. uh, to the hologram business and why he wanted to start it. So for me, I'm just closing the loop. Right, right, right. I I'm doing something that he talked to me about that he wanted to do, um, and the my approach has been let's look at all of the these different art aesthetics um, that you know art Frank created. Visuals that he, you know, he personally did. Um, and let's try to anthropomorphize the content of what he was singing about. Yeah. Right? So you'll see multiple iterations of Frank represented holographically on stage from different art styles, uh, which I think is a totally different approach. Most people, they're, they're like, oh, when you when you talk about um, the a ghost version, mm-hmm. right? I think it's it's... It's all in how you artistically, you know, do that. So mm-hmm. you'll see a super photo uh, realistic version of Frank in the show. Um, but our approach is is different. I, you know, Frank had a very handmade, uh, dare I say, cheap, uh, the, the highest quality of cheapness possible, right? <laughs> this very handmade <laughs> feel. Yeah. And that's that's the approach that um, I'm taking. But I also I'm putting in the things that I liked in my own childhood, um, things that inspired me, uh, you know, so you, you'll see, um, again, the way that we're making the assets that will then holographically be projected. I'll give you an example. Bruce Bickford, you know, that shit, that mind melting, you know, animation, like we will have things that feel like that. I mean, if we can organize something, you know, with Bruce, which is something I'm, we're trying to, you know, organize right now because he's, because he's literally one of my heroes um seeing 
all the figures and and Frank, you know, sharing the whole process with me totally made an impact on my life. So I love animation. So for me, I'm making this multi um, aesthetic animated movie that's scored by, you know, Frank's band. You right. Know, which to me is fucking awesome. I can't think of an. I don't know why that doesn't sound cool to people. You it know, sounds but, totally cool to me. It's wild. It's wild. It's going to be way bigger and way different than what I what people have experienced in this technology for, so far. Oh, I'm trying to push it forward. I mean, I think for the most part, people just you know you have the projection system, and that you see the you know if someone is six feet tall, you see a six feet tall projected image, and I'm like, wait a second. I started asking myself. You know, if I'm going to do this show, right, and the company that I joined up with, I'm like, look, if I'm going to even join up with you guys, I'm only interested in pushing the technology forward and further because I do think that it's the term hologram has left a bad taste in people's mouths. And I hope that after people go and see our show mm-hmm. that they'll they'll a new appreciation a new for appreciation. the art form right and, and what I, it what it what it can possibly accomplish and maybe even beyond what you're able to do certainly yeah yeah I mean, either way, it's, it's a new technology so it's just at the infancy of what uh, what uh, can be done we can't wait to see uh, see that I I, I feel it it is going to be something special uh, and just I mean you just take the songs themselves live musicians. Uh, and now you're going to add this, like, large-scale animation that just goes way beyond, a, you know, a, a, a ghost walking around the stage. This is this this sounds really exciting. And this is 2019, right? Yeah, so um, end of February, early March. Um, we were going to try to kick it off um, at, at the end of this year, but, you know, just for m- many reasons. Again, until uh, it's perfected and ready to go. It's not even that. It's just, just. It's actually touring schedule. Uh-huh. You know, so we're still working out like some of the players that we want. So it's mm-hmm. like that kind of real practical stuff, right? Um, so it's less. A, it's less about the, you know, our content. Mm-hmm. It's more about just making sure that all the players that we want, and, and it's the, it's the logistics because some people that are playing have other obligations yeah, too. So it's like course. the routing of the fucking tour. It's like the actual <laughs> practical shit, <laughs> right. you know. So that's. You know, I don't want to get into that because it's starting to be like, uh, you know, a, a puzzle piece that, you know, is a little bit of a headache. It's all, it's all good, all good. But the, you know, I'm trying to be uh, very accommodating for, you know, for the, the the tour on the scale that we're doing it. Yeah, it's going to be many, many hundreds of shows of awesome. Can't wait to see it. All right, one last question: mm-hmm. what What would th- Frank think of the current music environment? Oh, I I think that it would just make him laugh in disappointment. <laughs> Probably. Do you think he could make a living doing what he did oh, for, yeah. today? For, I think he'd make a way more money, actually. Really? Yeah, I mean, direct distribution and being able to communicate with your fans. Yeah. And the, you know, yeah. he he's he was someone who was always working. So if you, you know had the the ability to live broadcast from your mobile device you know and and the fact that he was such a perfectionist would you know we had us we had the utility muffin research kitchen would have been easy to put cameras in there you know he, oh yeah it would be yeah. it would be the easiest way for him to debut new music if it was in his basement and just sending it out fucking epic he would have been crushing it yeah 
definitely with today's technology, it would have been a godsend for him because it's like it's almost like technology finally caught up with him at the rate that hmm. that music was coming out of him, right? Yeah. And he was a slave to to being able. I mean, imagine writing for orchestras and not being able to hear it at all. You only hear it in your head, right? Then all of a sudden, there's a machine that will realize that for you, and you begin, you can yeah, hear it, right? Which right. But was used but that was a, like a being done him. on a system that was like two huge racks, right? You know, and right. and and on a, a storage that was so small, right? Now with today's, everything can be done on a chip this big with massive amounts of storage, massive amounts of uh, uh, fast rendering and fast. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, he, I'm sure, would be getting uh, performances from or- uh, orchestras would be wanting to uh, have him writing material for them. Mm-hmm. You know, world premiering new uh, pieces. He probably would be doing. Uh, you know, he could be doing soundtracks for films television stuff you know he had already oh. done uh the um uh outrage at valdez you know which was the jacques Cousteau documentary on the oil spill oh yeah back then i mean mm-hmm. the, those types of things were happening he uh, he, he probably would have gotten a ton of stuff for that i i seriously think he would have written uh uh specific music for um zappa play zappa to play mm-hmm. like i really feel like he probably would be like Great, I'll write some music for you. You guys can world premiere new 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 stuff for that band. You know, back in those days when we were really you know out there doing it for a long time, which of course Weasel still is. Yeah, I, I just think that's that would have been some of the things that he would have done. If not, you know, there would have been a, a million things, a plethora. So yeah, because it was nonstop with him. It was no doubt. It really was. And Gail was the same way, and Amit's the same way. The creative mind is uh, is is just so impressive, and the amount of just ideas that are constantly coming out. It's like to, to be able to keep up with it is is a miracle, and to have the technology to keep up with it nowadays, it, it would have been almost limitless for him. I think. Wow, so glad to hear. Well, we can't wait to hear and see what uh, the Zappa Trust has in store for all of us Zappa fans. So, um, we're glad the legacy is secure. Uh, Amit, Joe, thanks so much for spending time with us today on Deeper Digs and Rock. Thank you. This Thank was you. this was fun. Let's do it again. Uh, oh, 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 I'm not bringing pants. We still have another eight gonna... more hours to go. This is just, this <laughs> oh, is I'm not going to wear pants. Oh, so. break? <laughs> Sweet. Whose face wants it? What a great time. I'd say we were all on drugs for that interview, but Frank never took him, so we complied. <laughs> Just say whoa. I think it is safe to say that Frank's legacy is in damn good hands, and I, for one, can't wait for all that the Zappa Family Trust has in store for us. Hologram Tour sounds like it is going to be out of this fucking world. In fact, afterwards, uh, Ahmed showed us a few short pieces of the show and it is mind-blowing. Uh, prepare is all I can say. In the meantime, go visit Zappa.com to pick up all the goodies we spoke about, like the new Burnt Weenie Sandwich remix on 180-gram vinyl. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to thank both Amit Zappa as well as Joe Travers for the time. I'm Christian Swain, and this has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Keep coming back for more. Oh, and please, tell a friend. the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Deeper Digs in Rocks, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.